Welcome to the 11th episode of Deep Dive. I am Raul Rusique. I'm a senior here at Syracuse University studying health and exercise science on a pre-physical therapy track. Prior to this, I was in the Navy for five years. I lived and worked on a nuclear submarine at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. And today I have two guests with me, Jamie and Jennifer, who are going to talk about how being a mom couldn't deter them from getting a college education and why it shouldn't deter any person who has a child to go back to college. So uh, I'll start with Jamie. Can you just describe your background? Yeah, so I was a 68 papa in the Army, so I was a radio tech. I only had one duty station, which was Tripler, Hawaii. Throughout that time, I was an x-ray tech, but I also worked as an enlisted aide for the CSM of the hospital. And it was a really good time. While I was over there, I heard from a lot of people who had been accepted from for Green to Gold and like OCS and other programs. And they kind of pushed me to try going the officer route. So I looked more into it. I thought that I was disqualified for Green to Gold. So I stopped midway through my packet. And then I found out like two weeks before the deadline that I actually wasn't disqualified. So I just kind of rushed through it. And I ended up at Syracuse University because on the application, they had a drop down menu. And my sister is living in Buffalo currently. So I wanted to be as close to her as I could. And Buffalo wasn't available. And so Syracuse, New York was the next closest area. And I didn't do any research into Syracuse University. I didn't know that they were the orange men until I think like three weeks before I moved here. And uh, yeah, that's, that's how I got here at Syracuse. Why did you think you were disqualified? I thought that I was disqualified for a couple of reasons. I have high blood pressure. And so someone was like, that's something that you can't get waived. And I was like, if I'm already in currently and they're like, okay with that. And like, I'm medically able to control it. I think it should be fine. And then, uh, I don't, I don't even remember what the other one was, but it was really stupid reason. Like looking back, I was like, I can't believe that I genuinely, like someone was able to convince me that I really was disqualified for that reason. Um, so I feel like all things in the military are like, people will tell you, now nah, you can do that when they don't really know. Yeah. And it's kind of irritating. Like when you get out, like, wow, I can't do that. So naive. I was gonna listen to every single person and tell me no. Exactly. And I had some people who were not very supportive in my like direct chain of command. That's the worst. Yeah. And they were constantly just telling me, like, oh, this will just be a learning experience for you because you're not gonna get it in this round. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I didn't really take it seriously. I was like, oh, like I didn't have a very good GPA in my undergrad. So I was like, maybe you're right. And I didn't really do any planning. And then one day I like woke up to a bunch of like congratulations texts. Since we were in Hawaii, we got the news pretty early in the morning. So by the time I got to work, everyone had already known that I was on the list except for me. So I showed up and I was like, oh, like, I think it was like right after like a chili competition or something. So I thought they were congratulating me for like, like chili food. Yeah. Like we had like a, a hot chili competition <laughs> and I was just like, oh, like, thanks for the ownership or sucks in wine. Yeah. But I, <laughs> but I didn't even participate in it. I was just like judging it. So I was just eating it. So I thought it was really weird, but yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh, thanks. Like I, I just got chosen to do it. So like, thanks for the congrats. And then like halfway through the day, they're like, no for green to gold. And I was like, oh, and I still didn't think that I was going to be able to get into like SU or anything. And so I didn't apply until really late. And overall, it was a really stressful process just because I kept putting things off, not having any faith in myself. And yeah, well, it worked out for you. Now you're an orange man and <laughs> to an even better school than Buffalo. Yeah. So it worked yeah. out for well. So Jennifer, can you please tell us about yourself and your background? Yes. And thank you for letting me be here today. Jennifer Aquino, I served active duty for 14 years in the United States Navy. I was a cryptologic technician interpreter, aka a translator, 
specifically for Spanish. I served from 2003 until 2017, and I was stationed. My first uh, duty station was in the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower in Norfolk, Virginia. And then from there, I moved to Texas, and I actually did three tours over there. Uh, I have different jobs in, in there, you know, not only as a translator. For those of you who, who do not know, we also have what is called collateral duties. And I had a sense of getting higher education way before the Navy. So my story on how I ended in SU, I have to say that before I joined, I already knew that I wanted higher education. I was born in Puerto Rico. I actually am a non-traditional student. I went to the University of Puerto Rico studying civil engineering, and I did that for four years, and I got out. I didn't want to do civil engineering, but I didn't know what I wanted. So when I joined the Navy, I already knew that I was contemplating how to do higher education. And my four year became 14, which I was not expecting that either. And when I got out, I found a job right away teaching Spanish and English, but I was in the back of my head saying, I need to go back to school. I need to go back to school. I have no clue. So when COVID hit... I have a dear friend of mine that also she served in the Navy. She actually was also one of my students. And I saw her that she was moving from California to Princeton University. And I was like, holy moly, how in the world she finished there? And I actually approached her. I said, can you tell me, you know, how you actually got accepted to Princeton University? And she pointed me service to school, which is a great source for military members to apply to schools. And that's how it all started. SU was not even on my radar. I didn't even know anything about SU. And when I I did service to school, basically, they, they help you to put a package together for the universities that you're planning to attend. And they also did did a college fair for all military members. And I I actually listened to every school in that college fair. I took notes and one of the schools was Syracuse University. And they were the ones who impacted me the most. That I said, I want to go there. And service to school actually pointed me Warriors Color Project, which is another great source for military members that basically you go through academic boot camp. So if you're already thinking going to school, you will have an academic boot camp, either humanities, STEM or business related to whatever field you're looking for. So I applied for that one. And when they found out, I actually did the online course and they found out that I was going to SU. They said, oh, we actually have one on campus. We will fly you over there if you want to. And that's how basically I ended up here. So I have a couple of questions. First one is service to school. I never heard of that. Is, okay. that a, is that a program? It is a program. Service to school is a nonprofit organization that it helps any military members, active duty or veterans, that they are trying to put a strong package for any university. They look at your your transcript, you know, your military transcript, and they actually help you to translate it to the civilian field. And they also help you to, you know, to write essays and Hey, if you're looking and pursuing this kind of degree, we we will help you out to to get there. These are the weaknesses that you have, but these are the strengths that you have. Wow, that's a pretty cool program. I never heard of that. My second question was, since you came from Puerto Rico, was it harder to join the military? 
Yes. The, the, the short answer is yes. My background, I love the military. Don't get me wrong. There are good things and bad things in, in any service branch and in any area that you're working in a field. I did work before joining the military. So when I joined, I actually trained myself for a whole year. They said, oh, you have to be in MEPS for a whole year. I said, it's okay. I won this job and which it was cryptology and that will give me time to train. So it helped me to train physically, but it didn't help me to train mentally. So when I when I I remember vividly that that first day that I arrived, which it was for for those of you who don't know, Navy boot camp is in Illinois. So and I went through winter. So I went through a drastic change of weather, also an adjustment going from a beautiful island that is always beautiful and warm to cold. And also that physicality of mental that you have to be awake for those first 36 or 72 hours. I cannot remember. Plus being a woman and being a minority, that was the first shock for me. I I felt that there was some racism in, involved in there that they would say, oh, she is from another place. And I said, I'm a U.S. citizen. So some people will treat me not as a U.S. citizen. And yes, it was kind of hard, but I have to push myself through to think what was my end goal and not to let other people try to take me down. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. And it's unfortunate there's still like a little bit of racism in the military, especially in their type of communities. I know that on the smaller communities, such as like the submarine community, there was definitely some. There's such, I don't know how your community was, but there was such a small amount of minorities on submarines that, man, the questions I would ask and the jokes I would make was like pretty ridiculous. You know, 19, I didn't really care too much. But then, I think looking back, I think it did affect me the way I looked at like white people. Mm-hmm. And they come to Syracuse University where I'm still like, when is still like a very small amount of population here. I think somehow it does really affect you. But uh, so my next question, Jamie, at what point of your career did you have your child? So as a 68 Papa radiology tech, we have a really long AIT, like the advanced individual training. And we have two parts of it. The first part is six months in the schoolhouse in Texas, where we do like all the academic portion of it and uh, and do like simulations. We kind of learn how to position people for x-rays. And then the second half is a clinical portion. And I found out I was pregnant like a month into my clinical portion. So I had like just started. I was like seven, like maybe eight months in counting basic. And uh, I remember my student coordinator at the time wasn't there. And the person who was filling in for him, I like grabbed a battle buddy and I like went to go talk to him. He's like, what's up? And I was like, I think I might be pregnant. And he was like, you think you're pregnant? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, why? And I was like, well, I haven't had a period in a couple months and I have like 12 positive pregnancy tests. In my <laughs> and he just like straight face looked at me and like didn't budge at all. And he was just like, I can see why you might think that. And then he had me make an appointment for the next day. And then he called me at like 7 or 8 p.m. telling me that I needed to get a PT test done for my like clinical portion so that I could actually graduate or else I would be held back. So I got pregnant right at the start of it. And uh, yeah. Wow. So that's uh, you got pregnant really on in your military career. Really early on. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a child early on in your military career. Before you get how that affected you and your college career, how did it affect you while you're in? So I like grew up as an army brat and I knew the side of things of like watching my mom and my dad working together to parent, work, take care of the household. But my sperm donor already told me that he didn't want to be a part of it. And I wasn't really trying to force anything. So I just kind of accepted it and moved on. But I didn't realize like how much that could impact me. And uh, in the Army, we have this program called P3T, 
So it's the pregnancy postpartum PT. And because Tripler was so small and there weren't a lot of people who were pregnant and like having to attend PT, they have a combined island one. So everyone from Schofield, Fort Shafter, and Tripler were all paired together. And it was a really terrific program. And every Thursday, we would have a classroom setting where they would just go through different programs available to help assist us. And they would also have people come in to like inspect our car seats or like show us how to put car seats in. And it was just really educational for everyone there since most of us were new moms. And I think that that really kind of set the tone for the way that I approach things. If I had any questions to do with like motherhood or like how to to register my kid in Deers once I popped her out. And uh, I just kind of had that support system from P3T and the instructors involved with it. But then on the other side, I had some leadership that was really not ideal. And one guy who was like my direct first line supervisor he would always go on and on about how his mom was a single mom in the army and how like she got through all these things. And he treated me like such crap. And he didn't just treat me like that. Like he had a lot of sexist tendencies. And I think the first female he had that was a female soldier of his was like three people prior to my arrival. And so I was the first pregnant female soldier he had ever dealt with. And the amount of times that he would tell me I was like a problem child for different things, like I had hypertension before I got pregnant, so I was high risk. So I would have to constantly go to appointments and like once a week get my blood pressure checked, which shouldn't have been that big of a deal because we were already in the hospital. So I just had to go like (laughs) one hall down and then they would check it and I would come back within 10 minutes. But every single time it happened, he would tell me that he was going to cut that time from my my lunch break or I would have to stay past for like half an hour longer in case there was a line. And I was kind of dumb. Like I was new to my career and I didn't want to like, I was already labeled like a problem child. So I didn't want to like cause more issues. And finally, one of our other NCICs heard what he was saying and he, he put a stop to it really quickly. But it was hard because he would always tell me that like if I was breastfeeding or like while I was breastfeeding, if I was pumping during the day, which we're allowed to do and they have to provide us time to pump, that I shouldn't get a lunch break because I already am spending too much time not doing my job. And it was really difficult. So at one point I asked him, I was like, how would you feel if like someone treated your mom like that? Like you talk about all the struggles that she went through, like you're a struggle that I'm going through in this exact same situation. And then he just like smoked the crap out of me. And he was like, don't ever talk about my mom again. And I was like, all right. (laughs) You know, one thing that I hate about the military is like these non-medically trained people are like essentially trying to dictate your medical career which is absolutely ridiculous that guy and it's all over in every branch like just because you're been in the military for you know 10 plus years does not make an expert in every single field so i don't know why they act like that and it's really irritating like uh, I don't know. But so how did the rest of your career? Because that was pretty early on. Yeah. So after that happened, I was kind of pretty set on leaving the military. I was like, I'm done with this. Like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be treated like this. And even while I was like really pregnant, because I worked up until the, the day before I got induced. And you worked until the day prior? Yeah. I mean, I'm, more, I'm not a mom, but like, isn't that kind of crazy? I mean, definitely people are out here like get like a month off or a couple of weeks off before because they can't walk or anything. It would have been nice to prepare a little bit more because since I was I wasn't married, I was still in the barracks until I was 28 weeks pregnant. And so by the time I moved out of the, out of the barracks, oh. um, 
I didn't have a house available until I think I was 32 weeks. So I was still kind of trying to get my house set up. I was sleeping on an air mattress that one of my other, uh, like one of the NCOs in my department offered me an air mattress. And I thought that was so nice. And I remember just like bawling my eyes out because it was like an air mattress and like a bag of like salt and vinegar chips. And it was just maybe the happiest that I had ever been. That's pretty crazy because they should have known what it takes to move. Even as me as like a healthy adult male. It's a, it's hard to move. Like it's it's a lot of hassle. It's a lot of moving. So why would they wait till you're more pregnant yeah. to wait till then to move? Like that's. It wasn't even that was a huge part of it, but it was also that the day that I got the okay to move into my house was a weekday, and yeah, that's for time off. I had asked for time off and then I asked if someone else could help me with it. And this, the same sergeant like threw a hissy fit about it and was like, I can't believe like you're that irresponsible that you can't even hire a moving company. (laughs) Dude, Like I'll just move my own. I was like, then can you give me an extra day so I can at least do this over the weekend on my own timeline? And he was like, oh, so now you just want special treatment. And I was just like, dude, like, I don't, I don't know what I did to you and to upset your entire family. And like, I hate people like that. I don't even want to call them leaders. They're not leaders. They've just been in the military longer. Yeah. And then he got out shortly afterwards, which I was really thankful for. I, but, feel, I mean, this is a little side note, but I feel those are the worst civilians. Like, they cannot transition well, and they just think like they're gonna be immediately in a supervised position when they get out. And, just, and if they are, they suck. Yeah. Man. Well, Jen, did you have a child while you were in service? Yes, I did. And you just made me remember stuff that I totally forgot <laughs> until she started saying stuff. I was like, oh, wait, that actually happened to me too. So do you want to talk about how your obstacles, if there were any... Uh, of being a mother on service? Yes. So I became a parent two years after I was already in, in the Navy. The time I was still stationed at the aircraft carrier, the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower. So that's when I found out. For me, it was a little weird and different because I had a condition that from an early age, they told me that I could never conceive. So for me, it was like not believing that I was pregnant. And so when I found out, I kept it quiet because I was doing my qualification for surface pen. And I was really mad because I'm trying to keep it quiet, not trying to tell anybody, trying to finish it. And when my ship was going for sea trials, my chief said, oh, by the way, you're going to school for the next month. And I was like, no, please don't send me to school because this is the perfect time for me to finish my ESWAS. And he said, no, you're the next online for this training because everybody in the division had to do this training. And that was basically he and I, we were the last two that we needed that training. And so I'm going to school with him. And then on my second week of being in school with him, which by the time I'm trying to remember if I was close to two months being pregnant, I have to talk to him. And I was like, okay, this is the deal. And he said, oh, shoot, we need to to get you out of the ship right away. Because for for Navy, they basically could have a female on the ship. I forgot if it's 16 weeks or so, but they tried to even do it sooner. And I was telling him, I said, well, I don't want to get out until I finish this, which because it's a big deal. You know, that that's a big deal. The, the surface pin and any of the pins. So once he told the the division on on you know on the ship, they're like, nope, we are taking her out. And that's seriously what I only needed. It was just to do my board. So even the day that I'm basically checking out of the boat, they are trying to push my board, but they couldn't. So that was the first obstacle that I was so mad that I could not finish my surface pen, and I was so close to it. 
My second obstacle, and it was similar to yours too, like I actually moved to the barracks too, because they, at least back then, the regulation is that you officially have to show them that you are at least 20 weeks pregnant before they give you kind of any BAH housing for you and your dependents. So before that, you still get the single housing, but then for dependents, it's after the 20th week. So I'm living kind of like in the barracks, but thank goodness for good people also. I had a nice friend that seriously, I forgot his name. I'm I'm so mad right now. (laughs) He gave me the keys of his apartment because the boat was going in and out on sea trials the whole time. And he said, stay in my apartment because we are not here. So he said, do whatever you want. And, you know, here are the keys. He even gave me the keys of his car if I needed his car. I have my own car. So he was really nice in, in that part. So I didn't stay in the barracks. I stayed more in, in his apartment until I figured it out how to find my own apartment. And I saw also the life of shore duty versus sea duty. And that was the first time that I realized that, oh, wait a second, in the Navy, we also have shore duty. We actually stay in land for, for quite some time. And the, the division that I was assigned, for the transition was horrible, I'll tell you that right now. But after I moved to what was called NIOC Norfolk, which is Navy Information Operations Command, that's Intel right there, and I was Intel. They were super nice people. They knew that I was pregnant. They knew that I needed medical appointments. And it was totally the opposite of on the ship. The ship were like, oh, you got pregnant. Hmm, we wonder why. I was like, no, that was not the reason. Which they were thinking she's trying to get out of the boat. And I was not trying to get out of the boat. So the good thing also was that they have sources too. So Jamie reminded me there's a program also for the Navy. I imagine that now it's all joint because the military has shifted to more joint. It was called the Fleet Family Support Center. And they also gave me classes and courses on how to become a parent. And that helped me tremendously to navigate my life you know, with like, oh my goodness, I'm going to also raise my child on my own because I'm a single parent too. And that was, that was very nice. Plus that division helped me and supported me from the get-go. They didn't judge me. They said, you know, they knew that I, I was a hard worker. So some of the obstacles I would say is more of a woman, I think in one point of your life, especially when it's a decision of being a mother. I remember the first obstacle that I, I had, and I'm, I'm being honest, it was like, should I have this child or not? And I'm coming from a Christian family, which has a very strong background on abortion, but I have a different belief about that. So that was the first obstacle. It's like, oh, this could jeopardize my military career. So that was the first obstacle that I, I actually chose to have my child. So the second thing is like, should I continue in the military? Or should I get out? Because also, I would like to be 100% a mother. I don't want to be 50% or 25%. I really would like to be there for my child. So I also have to make that decision of staying in or getting out. And I, I chose staying in, but I think it was because of the sources. The military showed me that they were there for me and it would not jeopardize my career. Yes, there are some difficult decisions in the process of, you know, if you are going to be assigned again on a ship or you are going to be assigned to some crazy duty station that, you know, who will take care of your child. But 
as an overall, that was, I think those were my two main obstacles, having a child and second, remain in the military. So you raised your child like for a few years while you're in, did you say you're in 14 years? When you made the decision to separate, what type of obstacles were you thinking? Like, you're, were you ever thinking, can I go to college with a child? And when you finally got to college, was it easier or harder than, than what you expected? So I would say when I decided to get out of the military, I was not thinking right away to go to college. I actually got out because of two main reasons. One, I lived something really bad and terrible in the military that it broke me. I tell people, you know, some things can make you stronger. That thing broke me. And I said, I don't want to stay in. After 14 years, I was in E6. And I said, no, I'm done over here. And the second thing actually was my child. I He was already growing. He was, you know, a preteen. And I didn't want a rebel child. I have seen from fellow service members that the teenage years on their kids was really brutal. Because the parents were not there. They were doing different duty stations and moving around. I was like, I'm about to put my kid through that. And I think I'm not ready to do that. So I decided to get out. Once I decided to go to college, I actually sat down with my kid. I talked to him. I said, mommy is contemplating going to college and I need to know what you feel about this decision. You actually have a say in this decision. We could move my decision to later on, but I really want to know because in order for me to go, we need to be in the same page. And I would not put you in a position that you don't want to, which means that I also didn't want him to to feel that, oh, we are moving and my mom is not thinking about me. It was totally the opposite. It was Kid, I'm thinking about you. The whole reason I'm going for higher education is for, for the benefit of both of us. But I need to know what it is about that you you want me to do. So he actually said, no, I'm ready. You know, I if you want to go to college, I support you. So that was my first support system with my kid. What has been your biggest obstacle while in college, if any? Well, the biggest challenge or obstacle, and I'm going to say for at least for what I see as a mother and as a student, is as a mother, even though that he was, you know, supporting me from the get-go and he was excited, I think he also wanted to get out of Texas. He, I, I saw the obstacle of him trying to make new friends in a new environment and feeling that he is not, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but is we're moving from Texas. The only life he lived was in Texas, even though he was born in Virginia. He had already kind of an identity of being Texans or being a Texan and coming to New York that they have a different culture, different environment. I saw that on my kid and I was like, OMG, poor kiddo. He's going through this. And I keep telling him, I was like, I'm here to support you. Let me know. This is not set on stone. If we need to go back, we could go back. So that was the first one. The second one as a student, I think it was to accept that I was not in the same age and also not on the same page as my classmates and accepting that. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So Jamie, you know, you guys have this to the green and gold and you know, that's a fantastic program. What has been the biggest obstacle for you coming here? Because your close relative is in Buffalo a couple hours away. And what's the biggest challenges? And also, did you ever think like you cannot finish college? So before I get into that, I just want to say I did have some really good leadership. I know I only focused on the bad before, but I did have some really good leaders who really helped me out in the army. And even now, a few of the people that I did know are actually from New York. 
York. And so after they got out, they moved pretty close. So one of them, their spouse actually helps me to babysit in the mornings because I'm green to gold. So I have to go through the ROTC program. So we do PT in the mornings. And one of um, the people I, I met in Hawaii, his spouse watches her while I'm at PT. And so it kind of helps out a lot in that sense. But right now, sometimes I doubt it, like during tougher weeks. But I think overall, it's more that I know that I, I can't not do it just because I don't know what's going to happen to me in my military career and otherwise since I signed all these contracts to get green to gold. So now that I'm through the first year, I kind of just try and focus on like, hey, you have to finish it now, especially since we moved over here in such a rush and I didn't have anything set up. We lived in a hotel up until the end of November. We moved into our house the week of Thanksgiving and I feel like in my mind kind of the tough part's already over but there were a few instances last semester not last semester the fall semester where I was like would it really be that bad if I, <laughs> if I either just got out of the military or if I uh, if I just got out of school but so what, what has been the biggest challenge I think probably time management I don't do as many hours since I'm a master's student as I did when I was an undergrad and my daughter is so used to me working all the time that now now, if I have the chance, especially since most of my classes are in the afternoon, if I have the chance to keep her from her daycare, then I usually do just to try and get as much time in with her as I can. And she just turned four. So it doesn't really fully set in, I don't think, for her when I'm at home and I want to spend time with her and she wants to spend time with me, but I'm trying to work on homework or I'm trying to meet some kind of deadline for my coursework. And she just kind of sees me there and she's like, well, why can't we play? Like, why can't we do this? And it's like kind of heartbreaking because even if I tell her and try to explain it to her, I think in her mind, she's like, but but we can just do this a little bit. Like, it'll be okay. And it's like, no, like. I had the same challenge too. Now you're saying that I said, oh, wait a second. I do remember both in the military and as a student, time management is such a big deal, especially for single parents that we want to be 100% a mother, 100% a student and trying to figure it out how to have quality time. And sometimes when you see your child suffering or your child needs anything and you have to drop everything for 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 your own child. And yes, for me was time management as well. So I bring this to a second question. I'll start with Jen. How do you balance personal life, college and family? For me was and I put it in here was schedule. I live by a schedule, but at the same time, you have to be flexible with yourself, meaning that your schedule could be ruined that week. So, but I lived by the schedule and having that flexibility in there. At the same time, communication. I am grateful that I have talked to my kid from very early age, even in simple words. So now that he's a little more mature, I still communicate it with him. So when I have to balance, let's say that he has something for school and at the same time, I have a project or I have a final coming up, I have to let him know. Okay, from one to 10, how much do you need me? Like, I need to know. That way I could say, okay, I need to either ask, ask for an extension or I could go and do this by the deadline. So those were the three things that it kept me surviving 
balancing motherhood with student life, communication, flexibility, and a schedule. Great. Jamie, how do you balance all of that? I think a schedule is definitely super important. Just having that kind of repetitiveness. And even now, like we're trying to into our schedule, but it's also a little bit more difficult because she's so used to, in my military career, I always had the weekends off. But now <laughs> on the weekends, I still have coursework that I have to do, or I still have to make sure that I don't get too far behind in anything. And it kind of confuses her on that aspect as well. But I think having a routine is definitely really important and helps out a lot. And if she ever seems kind of burnt out, or if I get like a break where I know that this weekend I can kind of push everything aside and allow myself to have fun. Then we just head over to Buffalo to my sister's and she just plays with her cousins and it kind of resets us a little bit because it gives like a different type of energy out and it makes her a lot happier when she comes home. So she's not as like she's forced. I don't want to say like resentful, but I know that sometimes when I tell her like, oh, you need to play on your own right now or you got to eat on your own or whatever the case may be, you can tell that there's like a deep sadness. But after she is able to spend some time with her family, then I think it really helps with that aspect. Speaking about your sister, how how important is your support system here? Like, or in general, like a mother in college? That's super important. I could not even imagine trying to do this in any other place. And I always joke with my sister that after spending the winter here, I don't know if I actually love her enough to have chosen Syracuse <laughs> again, but I definitely would without a doubt. And it's not just my sister and her family. I know that if I ever need anything, my sister and my brother-in-law would drop whatever they could to come and help me. But my mom has also done that. And she's been incredible supportive. Fall semester, I spent a couple months on crutches while we were living in a hotel. Yeah. Wow. And so it was... You yeah. had crutches? Oh, wow. I had crutches and I was non-weight bearing on one of my feet. And uh, it was a huge struggle, especially because we were living in a hotel, but we didn't have one solid reservation. So at most, like two or three weeks at a time, we would continuously have to move hotels. Sometimes it would be the same hotel and I get lucky and just have to move a room. But other times we would have to move from like East Syracuse to North Syracuse, whatever had availabilities. And my mom ended up coming to stay with me. And she was like, I'm here to help you out however I can, which was incredible because I didn't really have like a super reliable system of transportation because my car was kind of acting a little funky too. <laughs> and it was kind of just like when it rains, it pours. And my mom drove from Wisconsin where she was visiting my aunt and stayed with me for almost two months. And she would take my daughter to daycare. She would pick me up and drop me off to classes on occasion because it was my right foot. And so I would either try and find anyone who lived close to me going to the university or I would find whatever transportation I could. But she drove me to a lot of my classes as well. And I am eternally grateful for her. That's a ton of perseverance going from hotel to hotel, one leg, child, starting a whole new life here. Wow, it's tough. Gotta say, I'm a proud Diamond member now after all that time in the hotels. <laughs> Jennifer, how has your support system affected you here? So I have a long list of my support system because I look back and I was thinking who or what has been my support system and how it has helped me out. And I am grateful for, you know, my number one is my number one cheerleader. It's my my son. He has been very supportive from, from the get-go. My my number two has been my family because they they knew that I always wanted higher education and they knew that even that I quit almost 30 years ago, my my bachelor's degree in civil engineering, they knew that somehow she's going to go back to school and she will finish her 
her bachelor's, but in the thing that she likes. So they were very supportive too, even though they were mad because my mad in the moving part. My sister was excited. My sister lives in Virginia. My parents moved from Puerto Rico to Texas 12 years ago. So when I moved from Texas, they're like, we were here, you know, we could help you. I was like, yeah, but this school is really nice. (laughs) So, but they were very supportive. It's even funny because last week, my parents, everybody was here, by the way, everybody, like as a Hispanic, you know how how yeah. that goes that seriously it's aunties and nephews and cousins but my mom gave me a present that she bought for my graduation for 30 years ago and i didn't know it was so funny because she put she put it out and my sister looked at it it's like oh my goodness that looks like the same as mine and we were joking and we were teasing my mom ha you probably bought this because we were always jealous so you bought two of them because my sister and i we look alike and we are just one year apart so you bought two so that way we would not get jealous and my mom said yeah that's actually true and we were like sh- in shock it's like omg and then we start teasing oh so if you will have died and we will have gone through the stuff we will have found this and we will be like wait a second what is this and it looks like the one that you got 30 years ago so that was hilarious too but i also have a community in san antonio that when i even told them they were very supportive they helped me with my move they helped me telling everything So that was another thing. I would say SU. SU, hands down, with the support system that they have here, I feel like royalty in this university from top all the way down. So having everybody believing in me, supporting me, I went through some struggles in here too. And having advisors and mentors, professors, the student veteran organization, classmates, everybody in here was supporting me. Even on my medical appointments, my doctors and nurses were checking on me and, and saying, we believe in you and we are here to support you. So I would say I have way long list. So my degree, I actually owe it to all these people because I would not have finished without them. I completely agree with the SU portion of that. They're not only like incredibly veteran friendly, but they're also really family friendly. And just like you were talking about uh, all of my professors, I remember for a night class that I had fall semester, my daughter's babysitter wasn't able to watch her. So I texted my professor thinking like it's super last minute like I don't really know what I'm gonna do and she was such like a such a grandma about it where she was like oh my gosh just bring her in and Dr. Sandy Lane yeah she's <laughs> fantastic and um she was so supportive of it and she was like if you ever have and that's all my professors they were like if you ever have issues just like let us know like there's nothing we can do if you can't com- if you don't communicate it with us but if we can try and make it a little bit easier then we will and so I agree wholeheartedly yeah same here my my son got COVID we were waiting, you know, we didn't have COVID for the first two years or so. But that first fall in here, he got COVID and I was freaking out. Like, I'm the type of person that I grew up never being absent to any class, like even if you're sick. So I was terrified. So I also approached my professors and they all said, take care of your child. We understand, you know, your absence is going to be valid. So don't worry about it. The second thing was also my first semester here. My mom called me, my sister and I, we got a phone call from my mom just before Thanksgiving. My my dad went for his annual checkup and they found out that he needed a triple bypass surgery, like right away. And I'm freaking out because it's almost Thanksgiving break, but it's, you know, in here after Thanksgiving break, basically finals will start. 
And and I said, oh my God, I need to go back to Texas and I need to go there because what happens if he dies in the middle of the surgery? And my sister said, don't worry, I'll go. You stay in, in, in SU. But I automatically reach out to my professors, to my advisors, and all of them were so supportive from the get-go. Take care of your family, whatever it is. School stays here. And that's how I even found out that they have medical leave and academic leave and all the different options. So it doesn't affect your time in school. It's just that your goal of finishing might be postponed. So that was really nice to find out that they are not the ones telling you, oh, well, go ahead, do that. We will give you either a W or an F. No, they were the opposite. We will take care of you and don't worry about it. We want you to, to be successful in school, but at the same time, family takes precedence over academic life. So I really, I admire this school for having that. You know what I mean? Listening right now, like, I truly want to emphasize, like, they are not, like, over-exaggerating. I love SU. Like, this school open so many opportunities and doors for people as long as you look for them as long as you look for the door as long as you look for the mentor or whatever the case may be and you communicate your goals your goals with people in the school you accomplish them you know and i don't know if that's the case for all schools but here like i'm truly happy i came here it sounds like you guys are too so uh jamie like what advice would you give but any mother in college like any mother that uh, contemplate coming to college like if they should do it or they shouldn't i think if that's something that they want to go for they should definitely go for it if things do come up which you know, in life, everything does. And anything happens where you do have to take some time off or anything. Just like Jennifer said, it's not like nixing your end goal. It's just kind of postponing it a little bit. But either way, you could still reach your goal. And I would definitely say to look into your different options. Jennifer was definitely a lot more prepared in choosing schools and looking into everything available. I just went by a drop down menu. And it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it worked out eventually. But um, I didn't know a lot of the things that were available, especially at SU until I I called and just asked them about their public health program. And then all of a sudden, like I explained my situation and they pushed me through to all these different points of contact to get different information, get different assistance. And they helped me to like apply for different scholarships and stuff. And this was last February, like the end of February. So it was pretty close to when the, the school year was going to start, but they still had all these options that they were not only offering, but like walking me through how to do. So if you look for really any starting point, then it's usually pretty easy to get a little bit more knowledge and kind of find out what it is that you want to look for. And there's so many programs that are available that aren't really common knowledge. So do your research, but don't be deterred. Fantastic. Jennifer, what advice would you give a woman separated from service or any woman who wants to go back to school and that's maybe a mother? and they're a little timid. So I have several advices. I wrote them down. One is plan ahead. You need to really, I think that's the best way to survive in any life is plan ahead. But also what I said, have a flexibility in it. The other, the other thing is I remember f as soon as I found out I was pregnant, somebody told me and I still carried it until today. Don't sweat on the small stuff. Just move on. Number three will be live one day at a time. Don't don't try to think, oh, I have two more years to go or I, you know, I just started this semester. Don't don't think way ahead. Just live one day at a time. Seek help and accept the help. 
because there's always people around you to to help you, to support you, to guide you. But at the same time, you need to accept it. Number five, explain and communicate. You actually have to tell other people. And I think the military has helped us out in that part too. I think when I communicate with all my professors, I said, you are one of the few students that always communicate. And I said, I think the military always told us to, you need to talk to the chain of command. The other thing is, my other advice is prioritize, meaning you need to to actually know what are your top three priorities or your top five priorities and stick with it. So for me, my priority was to get my bachelor's degree because my end goal is actually my master's degree. And prioritizing was there's some other stuff that I was doing on a daily basis that I would not be able to do on a daily basis anymore. And it was okay too. And that meant sometime that, you know, that I could do like before my son and I, we have kind of like daytime. We didn't do it during the whole time that I was studying in school. And he knew that too. Split your things into small chunks or, you know, what they also say to to eat an elephant, you have to cut it in small pieces. So also do that too. So if you have multiple things to do, just do it in small chunks. Don't try to do the whole thing in one sitting or in one week. The other thing is make me time. You also have to take time for yourself. You have to think of your own and be away for how many minutes or even an hour. But I think it's extremely important that you do that me time to figure it out who you are and what is your core. Also ask, always ask, even though you might get a no or whatever it is. But I think it's so important to always ask questions for, for whatever it is. And the last thing is that I will say number 10 is don't be hard on yourself because what you're going to go through, especially if you're contemplating or you're already in school, is already hard on yourself. So don't be extra hard on yourself. Don't compare yourself to your peers. Don't don't try to like I do remember that this semester I gained so much weight and I was being hard on myself. But at the same time, I said, I just finished a degree and it was okay that, you know, my diet or, you know, eating healthy was off. So don't be hard on yourself in whatever other areas it is, because at the end, your what was your priorities, you will achieve it. And then eventually you just adjust again. Going along with what Jennifer is saying, the me time I think is especially important. Your kid knows that you love them. Like that's, I mean, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) But um, sometimes when you're so drained, especially after like, especially grueling like midterms week where you know that the week's been tough and there's still more to go before you have any resting time. It's definitely really important to prioritize yourself as well. Because if you just try pushing on and your attitude shows that you're drained mentally and physically, then it's going to affect your kid a lot more. So like last semester, or not last semester, like a month ago, I got a babysitter and I stayed in the house and took a nap while the babysitter was downstairs (laughs) with my kid because she decided that she no longer takes naps. So I think it's definitely important to have some me time. Okay, great. Sounds like you're saying like being a mom should not deter anybody from getting a degree. If that's something they really want to do and they're willing to put the work in, but long as they put time from themselves at some point, they could do it's possible. You guys are proof it's possible. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I I hope so. 
I think being a student is really difficult on its own. Being a parent is really difficult, but both things require some resiliency anyway. So if you kind of combine it, it's, I don't know, it's also kind of different because I don't have to worry about a job on top of everything else. So I don't really have that aspect where I'm still being paid by the military. So I don't have to worry about where my, my income's coming from. But I think that the resiliency that comes from parenting already, it makes it a little bit easier of a transition to add in that school aspect. Yeah. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Could I, could I ask something because you were saying something about what, if anything, should deter you from, I'm trying to look at the question, should being a parent deter anyone from earning their degree? And I want to explore that a little bit more because the short answer is no, nothing should deter you from earning a degree. However, there are things or there are people that they might deter you, but at the same time, you always have to look and balance what are the pros and cons? And I would say he might postpone having that degree. So it might discourage you for a moment. So for example, for me, when my dad had that surgery, that could have deterred me from earning my degree. But at the same time, it was just making my goal to be basically postponed to later. So don't things or people just readjust to because they're eventually like what I said, like for me was the medical portion. It could at first could look that it will deter me but it was like oh let me let me try to you know rearrange everything and see what it, it is so if you are going to school you're planning to go to school and let's say the first semester was a total failure but look back what is it that i made such a failure and just readjust and it could be from do you want to be a full-time student versus a part-time student do you prefer online courses versus in person do you prefer being daytime versus nighttime because there's also school that you could go and do at night time. So there are many things. Do you want to remain working while studying or you want to be like for me, I chose to be full-time student. But I also had in the back of my head, if I need to go back and work full-time, then I will move myself from being a full-time student to be a part-time student. So you also have to always look because you will always be a parent regardless. And I think for myself, being a parent is my number one duty, my my thing. It's already who I am. So everything else have to be adjusted to that. And nobody should tell you how you should do parenting because parenting is in the eye of the beholder. And the way that Jamie parents is way totally different the way that I parent. But we are both good parents. So also don't think of I'm being a bad parent because I decided to go to school and I've been away from my parents. It's like, no, you need to think the whole purpose of you going to, to school is because you want to better yourself and you want to better your life. You want to better your family. And at the same time, you are the mentor and you are actually the role model of your child or children. And that's what I want to do with my kid is like, I want him to see, wow, my mom did it. I, I could achieve it too. Oh, thank you for all that. You guys are truly doing a lot between your school, family, and then still going to like SVO events, student veteran organization events, and planning SVO events. It's pretty awesome. And uh, so at the end of all my podcasts, I always ask the guests, like, what's their favorite quote and why? So mine, I even had to look it up to know what is the translation because I know it from Spanish, which actually was even translated from Portuguese. It's from this <laughs> author. His name is Paulo Coelho, which I absolutely love his books. And it's coming from one of his books called The Alchemist. And the quote says, there's only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve, the fear of failure. 
year. And for me, why this quote is so important to me, this one came in our early life of me. And I always remember as soon as I read this, I said, this is so true. Any dream that we have, you have it because of something. Something sparks in you. If it's music, if it's whatever, medical field or, you know, but anything that can make that dream not to become a reality, I think is is you having the fear of not achieving it. And for me, that's why I love this quote so much, because I have to remind myself that anything could be an obstacle, but I will overcome it. But I think the major obstacle is the fear that I either impose on myself or in my thoughts and everything around me is actually going to support me to to achieve it. It's just that I have to come out of my head, out of my fear, which I have terrible fears. I'm way too fearful of so many things. So it's saying this is my dream and I'm going to pursue it regardless of my fears. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Jamie, if you're ready. Yeah. So mine is success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm from Winston Churchill. And I think that as someone who has personally experienced quite a bit of failure throughout my lifetime, (laughs) I think that sometimes like I go through days where bad things happen over and over and over again to the point where it's almost comically bad. And uh, it goes with, I don't know if you ever heard this, fail forward to success. Yeah. It's like at some point you just got to kind of accept that bad things do happen, but good things also happen. So you kind of need that balance of failure and success. And if you don't lose enthusiasm, then the world can't really make you completely fail. That was so dumb. (laughs) No, 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 it's cool. No, but I think a lot of things are like, it's how you view it. Like something's ha- something bad happened, but there's always a silver lining. We can always look at something in a different way where oh, this sucks. My car broke down, but how am I going to fix it? Don't like dwell on the negative, but think of a path forward to succeed. Like you're dwelling on the past, we're dwelling on the negatives of any situation and not fix the situation. So you got like, I don't know if there's a military in us, but like we have to figure a solution, execute the solution and move forward. And I think that's, that's helped a lot of us in college. And, you know, because I don't know about you guys, I definitely felt test here. And yeah, dwelling for a couple hours. Hours and like, you know what? Well, fuck it. Let's go get a beer and move on and have fun. And so far, it's helped. But uh, do you guys have any last second thoughts? I would say when you're in school, find your support system also in school. Find if you're one of those that maybe you're a loner and you don't have any support system, everybody probably doesn't believe in you. There is somebody that will believe in you. And for military community, I would say SU has an amazing military community that it would support you and will, will cheer you on. So find that support system that will help you to get there. I agree with that sentiment. Uh, When I found out I was accepted into the Green to Gold program and I still had those people telling me like, oh, well, you still have to get into a college and you probably won't probably won't happen for you. I remember that I started believing it and uh, I talked to my dad about it and he was like, why are you starting to question yourself now? I was like, well, these people said, but yeah, my dad was like, who the fuck cares what they think? He was like, what are are they going to do to affect your lifetime in the next 10 years if you ignore their sentiments right now and focus Focus on what you think is possible. And uh, I think that a support system, even though you have a lot of like naysayers or people who are against what you are doing or what your focus is on, that there are always people who are there to support you. And if you don't have them in your life currently, you can always come to school and, you know, you go through the same types of difficulties and transitional periods that a lot of the students are already going through. So you already have that a little bit of something to connect you to other people already. So even if you don't have a support system, it's still something that you can create on your own once you get into 
school as well. And engaging in activities that school provides too. Like I remember coming and I said, I need to at least do one thing in one semester, even if it's just one game to attend either football or basketball or something like that, or whatever it is, try to find even one thing because that one thing, it could actually make you connect with somebody that it will become a friend. I remember also that I said, well, I'm a non-traditional student. I'm basically the parent in every class. I, you know, all these kids are basically closer to my son's age than to my age. So I was a little skeptical of, oh, I probably will not be able to make friends in here, you know, besides from the veterans community. And it was totally the opposite. When I started talking to some of the classmates like, oh, I'm planning to go to this game. They're like, so am I. And they decided to, to go and, you know, I do have friends in here because they have similarities to me, even though that I have, you know, 20 years over their age. So also look for activities that, you know, you will be able to connect with people. And at least I do remember my dad said, you're going to college study. That's it. I was like, sorry, dad, I'm going to connect with some community in here too. So also find that that day or that week, that because at least in SU, they have this whole event where they put all the different organizations and the different extracurricular activities out there. So go and see that so that way you could find some organization that it will be out there for you. I just want to say, Jimmy, that's fantastic advice from your dad. So yeah. I feel like a junior uh, service member, they think like long term of like, man, this leader said this and some me back my mic. And this is why I still think of like the people I had in the, in the submarine who didn't really care about me. They care about like my brain and my hands doing the work. And uh, I was like, I almost re-enlisted because of them. Yeah. And like, this is so dumb. Like looking back, like screw them. Like, and that's like, it's, it's like what Jennifer was saying about not to sweat the small stuff. And they're all small stuff. And I remember like the same time period where I was talking to my dad about that, I had this wonderful woman who was working in the office that I was working in. And she came over and she was like, hey, like I heard them making these comments. And she was like, eagles don't care about the opinions of pigeons. I was like, okay. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, you think I'm an eagle? <laughs> no, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was like surprisingly motivating too. And the more that I thought about it after he had said it, I was like, wow, like I really spent so much time stressing over like all these huge major life decisions that I had. Like you're talking about like reenlisting and stuff. I really let like the opinions of people that I didn't like. And I didn't, I want to say I didn't really respect respect but I respected their positions and their authority but not really them as people totally understand that yeah and I was like wow like I really let them sway so much of the decisions that I made throughout like my time as a junior enlisted person and uh yeah I'm really happy that he gave me that advice yeah it reminded me there's another advice somebody gave me do not share your five by seven dream to a three by five mentality and I always carry that because you don't have to share with everybody you just have to figure it out if they have this image the same mentality as yours. This is the same, exactly. It's like eagles don't care what pigeons say. Like, yep, an eagle is a five by seven. A pigeon is a three by five. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you both for coming. I truly appreciate you guys spending time on your busy schedules to uh, spending, you know, time with me. And maybe this hopefully this helps young women or older women come to school. Don't let any like bad leadership, whether in the military or their current position, to go back to school and make their future even better and brighter than whatever it may be now. But I truly appreciate you guys coming. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you.